You might enjoy a longer weekend. You might enjoy the weather. You might enjoy time with family and a barbecue, but that's not what this is all about. It really isn't. It's not about that. It's about a sacrificial love and a cost that's been paid. And because of that, we're humbled. And because of that, we're grateful. And we are also inspired to be faithful right now in this generation because of those who have paid that price. And I think it's fitting if we all pray right now and we'll pray in silence. You can pray for families right now that are grieving, that are thinking about their loved ones, that have really given their lives uh, so that we have these freedoms that we have. Uh, Let's pray together. Let's all pray in silence. Thank you, God, for every person that's laid down their lives. Thank you for our nation. We're so grateful today. We pray that you bring peace and comfort to those who've lost loved ones, who have served our country so well. And we pray that we would be faithful, God, at this hour. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now, uh, as we celebrate baptism, celebrate baby dedication, God is moving in many ways. We give him all the glory. If you're here today and you want to be baptized at the end of this message, if you want to trust Christ for the first time, if you want to be baptized, there'll be an opportunity to respond with our prayer team and let them know so many decisions are being made as we follow Jesus and grow in our faith together. And also, we're looking forward to the next series, and we're going to be starting next weekend, Lord willing, in the book of Psalms. We're going to start with Psalm 16, if you want to read ahead. And it's a theme of refreshment this summer, spiritual refreshment through the book of Psalms. Today we're in Matthew chapter 13, and Matthew chapter 13 is the final parable that we're going to look at. We've been talking about the kingdom of God, and today it really focuses on the condition of your heart, and we think about the power of God's word. God's word is living and active, and it penetrates joint and marrow, thoughts and attitude. It goes right to the heart, and that's where Jesus... Jesus in this parable is going to go right to our hearts. It also speaks of the kingdom potential that all of us have as well that we want to live out together. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your kingdom. It's indestructible. It's eternal. You are so good, Father. And we trust you. You are triumphant and we praise you, God. And I pray today, Lord, that the condition of our hearts, our thoughts, our attitudes would honor you and bring you glory. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. In this series on the kingdom of God, we've seen that the kingdom is a commitment and it's a calling. The kingdom includes purpose and passion. The kingdom is about being active, active minds, active hands. It includes our hearts and our souls. It's all encompassing. It's central. It's holistic. And in this kingdom, one of the keys to realize, and Jesus brings it home in this parable, is that we are all designed to receive and also to share the word of God. To listen to God and also share with others what God speaks to us. We're designed to do that. It's clear in this parable, and it really comes down to the condition of our heart. Let's take a look at Matthew chapter 13, starting in verse 1. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and he sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and he sat in it while all the people stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables. There are about 30 parables that Jesus shares and we hear them and they continue to hear them because we want to spend time in God's word, spend time with these parables. We're learning about the kingdom of God. Parable means to throw alongside, to place beside. 
These are intentional stories and illustrations and comparisons that Jesus gives us, and he speaks in everyday language. He'll describe something known, and it really points to something unknown. He describes something familiar and it points to something that's not familiar. Describes what's seen and it points to the unseen. Describes everyday life. It really points to the eternal. And through these parables, he's bringing kingdom truths because we all need to see and value and understand and run with a passion for God's kingdom. And these parables are laid out with great purpose. One of the purposes is revelation, that we would know God better. We would know his kingdom better. We would know his perspective better. And we experience revelation through the parables. A second aspect, which is interesting, and over and over again, there's the phrase, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. And it's really kind of a judgment in a sense because many people had hard hearts and closed ears. And the parables are gonna continue to bring more light to those who want light. The parables had a way of sorting out in the crowd who's religious and who's really hungry. Who's here just to be here and who's here to really grow. And those that want to grow through the parables, they will be transformed and they will transform their culture. And these parables, they have power. They revealed people's hearts. They revealed about God. And also, they were fulfillment of prophecy because when the Messiah comes, he would teach in parables. He would speak in parables. And it's another indication that Jesus is the Messiah. There's no shortage through prophecy pointing to Christ from his birth in Bethlehem, that he's born of a virgin, speaking in parables, blind eyes can see, just one after another after another. The evidence is there. Now it's for the heart to receive God's word, God's truth, and God's presence. What is this parable? Jesus describes in verse three, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil where it produced a crop. A hundred, sixty, thirty times what was sown. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. This is everyday language. People are going to just understand and discern the literal meaning. You have a farmer. It's pretty straightforward. The farmer has seed. The farmer's going to plant. It's a parable of sowing. And as the farmer scatters the seed, there's going to be different reactions, different soils, different responses. And these soils, they're metaphorical for the condition of our hearts. And they reveal where people are at. They describe where people are at. I see four different conditions in this parable. The first one is a hard heart. A hard heart along the path. And what happens? The birds come. They snatch the seeds because there's a hard heart. The second heart is a shallow heart. Not much depth. Solid rock there. No roots. And so initially, uh, yes, there's a response. It's not quite the same as a hard heart, but it's not going to go deep. The third heart is a divided heart. There's growth, but then there's thorns. There's vying allegiances. And so there's contamination and it gets choked out. Why? Again, because with this, we have a divided heart. And a lot of people are trying to serve two masters at once, the world and the word, money and God. They're, they're trying to sort out, can I do both? 
And then the last one is a faithful heart. Where there's a faithful heart, there's multiplication. Where someone is faithful to God, there'll be more lives changed. The kingdom will go and go and go through a faithful heart. You will flourish. And Jesus says 160, 30 times. Again, where there's faithfulness, there's multiplication, there's kingdom impact, there's kingdom development. And he says, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. He brings this parable in a context of so much false teaching and apostasy. We have a sea of false teaching today. It's not hard to find false teaching. He brought this to a sea of inconsistency. There were a lot of people who were religious, but oh, you just follow them home. You just watch them the rest of the week. It's very compartmentalized. Jesus brought this parable to that inconsistency as well. And Jesus brought this parable to an environment where there's false teaching, there's inconsistency, there's a lot of dead religion, and he lays it out. There's a lot of complacency then too. Well, we already have scripture, we have tradition, what more do we need? There was a lot of spiritual complacency at that time, and he brings this parable to shake things up. This parable is about God's word in our hearts. God's word in every nation and generation. That's the kingdom of God. The kingdom flows through the word and the spirit. And we look back in the Old Testament, There were prophets who spoke God's word when it wasn't popular. There was a high cost to be paid. Elijah was one of those who was faithful in his generation. In 1 Kings chapter 18, there was a showdown, Mount Carmel. There were false gods. There's the real God. There's a time of sacrifice. The prophet Elisha stepped toward and he prayed. This is his prayer. Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known today that you are God in Israel And that I am your servant and have done all these things at your command. Answer me, Lord, answer me. So these people will know that you, Lord, are God. And that you are turning their hearts back again. Then the fire of the Lord fell, burned up the sacrifice, the wood, the stones, and the soil. And also looked up the water, licked up the water in the trench. When all the people saw this... They fell prostrate and cried, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. Wouldn't that be beautiful to hear that echoing through our neighborhoods? People returning to God saying, the Lord is God. There was a showdown at that time. The false gods, could these false prophets call down fire or could Elijah call down fire? And Elijah prayed and because he was faithful, abiding with God, God delivered and there was fire. And why would all of this happen? God sends fire. God displays his power in every generation. It looks different in every generation. God displays his power, his faithfulness, his promises, his presence in every generation. There was fire. Lord, we built the altar. Now send the fire. God, we've been faithful. Now send the fire. And don't miss that line that God would turn their hearts back to you. God would turn the hearts of the people back to God. You know what we need in America at the core? We need our hearts to turn back fully to God. That's what we need right now. The fire's great. The power's great. The answers of prayers are great. At the heart of it, we want to see people's hearts turning back to God. That's what's at the heart of the cry. And as Jesus brings this parable, may hearts turn back at that time. 
right now, may our hearts turn to God. There are decision points in your personal story and journey with God where you decide there's decision points. There's decision points in the history of Israel. There's decision points throughout the Bible. I believe this is a decision point in America right now. Maybe you've noticed some things. I believe it's a decision point in our families right now. Maybe you're seeing some things. I believe it's a decision point in our own lives right now. I believe where our hearts are, that's what God calls out. Where are you? Where's your heart? This parable is to bring our hearts back to God through his word, to trust him. That's what we wanna see happen. And as Jesus brings this parable, and you look in verse 16, here's some perspective He says, blessed are your eyes because they see and your ears because they hear. For I tell you the truth, many prophets and righteous men long to see what you see, but did not see it. And to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. Listen to what the parable of the sower means. Don't ever take for granted what an honor it is to have God's word, to have God's word. And to read what we read, to know about Jesus what we know, to have all the resources that we have, to be on this side to know the historical evidence of the cross and the resurrection for generations and decades. They were longing to see this kind of thing. We have it right here written down. Don't take it for granted. And because we receive so much, much has been given to us. Revelation includes responsibility. That's a scriptural principle. Revelation and all that's been given to us and revealed to us, all that's been given, it requires responsibility. And what's helpful here is that we have the answers for this parable. Because Jesus, we're gonna go through this parable a second time, and Jesus unpacks it. It's kind of like if you were, I don't know, in school growing up and you didn't read the book, but someone gave you the cliff notes hypothetically, I don't know if that happened to anyone else besides me, but it's like, what, I've got the answers here? Now it's good to read the book, read the book. But I'm, I'm saying there's times when you're like, oh, thank you. And the disciples would hear these parables and it's like, I understand it literally. I think I understand some things spiritually. When Jesus stops and unpacks it and says, okay, let me tell you exactly what's going on here. Thank you, because now there's some real clarity and that's what Jesus does here. And he's gonna bring the truth. And it's so important to know scripture. It's so important to know scripture. Our church is committed to God's word. We're not gonna water it down. You'll see it in every age, every stage of life in this church. We're bringing scripture. Our commitment is to bring and stay with and trust the word of God. It is God's word. We know the grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of God is eternal. This word is eternal. We trust God's word at this church. And it's not just for this place. We're committed every home, not just in this building, but in your homes. Be in God's word. We're committed to every platform that we can spread God's word where the devil is spreading lies. We want to bring God's word. We want it in our hearts, in our church, in our homes, in our land. God's word is powerful. It's living and active. It's important to know God's word. Uh, There's 
man, I was playing soccer this week and there's guys who do these little spinny moves that look kind of fun and they're little twirly-whirlies and they don't really help the team at all. And you're just watching this stuff. You're like, that looks kind of nice, kind of fun, but like that doesn't help us move the ball down the field. And uh, I just say there's a lot of twirly-whirlies going on spiritually these days. And you're like, that really doesn't help us move forward at all. Like we need the substance and the nourishment from God's word. That's where we want to be is in the word of God. And, you know, Jesus brings this parable and it really uh, tests our hearts. In Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 2 we see going back to the Old Testament in the wilderness, remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years to humble and to test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep God's commands. There are seasons where God humbles you and tests you. They were going through the wilderness. It was a testing. When you are tested, it will reveal And sometimes in marriage, in parenting, in conflict, when work is difficult, there's a testing that's happening and it reveals the heart. The word of God has a way of revealing the heart. How are they gonna respond in the wilderness? Are they still gonna keep going in circles or are they gonna trust God with their hearts? When you hear the word, trust the word, trust the promise, trust the author, trust God. There's been testing You see it in the parables here. I believe it was a time of testing and there's large crowds. Everyone was like, wow, look at the crowds Jesus has. And Jesus is focused on the hearts, not the crowds. And there's a time of testing, humbling. I believe this decade in America, the 2020s, has been a time of testing. It's been a time of testing and you're seeing hearts where they really are. You're seeing who's really trusting God's word, who's playing religious games, and who's against God. No one's hiding these days. It's clearer than ever where hearts are. You don't have to do a lot of research these days. See what's in your heart as you go through this parable. What is your response to Jesus? What is your response to God's word? Ultimately, will you trust him? And will you run with the word? Jesus unpacks the parable. And like I said, it's nice to have this second go around, spend extra time in the parables. And this is what he says the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is the seed sown along the path. The one who received the seed that fell on rocky places is like the man who hears the word and at once receives it with joy, But since he has no root, he lasts only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, he quickly falls away. The one who received the seed that fell among the thorns is the man who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke it, making it unfruitful. But the one who received the seed that fell on good soil is the man who hears the word and understands it. He produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. Jesus talks about four different soils, four different responses, four different results. The emphasis is on the different results. The seed is the same. It's the soil that's different. And you've probably seen these four played out so many times. Uh, You might be thinking about other people. 
try to just think about your own heart right now and the insights Jesus gives. First is a hard heart. We can all relate to having a hard heart in different areas of our life towards God. This is what happens with a hard heart. God makes it clear here. First we heard there was a bird and the bird snatches it. Jesus says this is how it plays out. The devil, Satan, fallen archangel, fallen powerful angel comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus is always revealing the schemes of the enemy. He spreads lies He's an accuser. He wants to tear you down. Lies are his native language. He wants to um, tear you apart. And he's coming after you. And there's demons as well. There's evil and there's good. There's demons. There's a spiritual battle. And the devil wants you to fall. There is an enemy that wants you to fall away from God. And there's evil at work in this world. And the devil wants to, for you to give him some room to say yes to sin, to do some secret stuff, to keep going back to it so he can get a foothold in your life. That's what's happening. He wants to snatch the word of God out of your life and he wants you to choose sin instead of the word. And he'll try to get a foothold. The good news is in Jesus' name, there's freedom today where there's been a foothold. There's freedom in Jesus' name. You can walk in purity. You can walk in the light. You walk in the name of Jesus. The one who's in us, the Holy Spirit, is greater than the one who's in the world. You don't have to walk around in fear. You can walk in the victory of the Lord, the spiritual armor of God, Ephesians chapter 6. God gives us his word as a sword. It's powerful. So a hard heart is opening the door for Satan. Oh yeah, take this, take this, take this, take this. And Satan gets a foothold. You don't want a hard heart towards God. That's not the soil. The second soil is a shallow heart. This is the one who's joyful at first. Wow, I love that passage. Oh, that sermon really encouraged me. Walking out the door. I think I've got something to take home this week. And joy, wow, it's great to hear God's word. Joy at first. But then what happens? There's this rocky soil, and it doesn't go deep. It's very shallow. So then what happens? Now something difficult during the week. Now some persecution for the faith. I came in there singing Jesus at work on Monday morning, and everyone bashed me. You know, I was close to God when I heard his word Sunday, but then I woke up Monday, and I had a headache, and life just started to get difficult. So what happened there? Well, my joy is gone. I stopped trusting God and it just faded. I just started to tap out. I trusted him for a couple years, but then life got really hard. And so I just, you know, I realized God probably doesn't care. And I'm just going to do my own thing. Joy at first. And then what happens after that? It just fades. It just fades. Why? Life gets difficult sometimes. And uh, there's persecution for your faith. That was a shallow heart. Well, what about the next one? A divided heart. Again, three soils that you don't want. A divided heart. Again, responding, some growth. It looks like someone's really, you know, grown in their relationship with God. There's some fruit. There's some good things happening. And then here comes the thorns and the cares of this world, specifically the love of money and worrying. The love of money and worrying. Wealth with the wrong heart. It's not wrong to have a lot of money. You can use it for great things in the kingdom. And then worrying. 
Worrying, 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 trying to control, not trusting God, worrying, fearing, worrying, and the throne, the thorns grow, and now the thorns start to choke the faith. Now the shift in trust, now I'm trusting myself, now I'm trying to control everything, now I'm getting more stressed, now I'm getting more worried. That's what happens with this particular soil. Jesus said a hard heart, a shallow heart, and a divided heart. Three soils, and then we've got a faithful heart. 30, 60, 100. Let's say that out loud. 30, 60, 100. One more time. 30, 60, 100. That's what Jesus says. There's gonna be transformed lives. There's gonna be a kingdom impact. God saves you through the death and resurrection of Jesus, and then he empowers you, he encourages you, he equips you to go out and change the culture and make a difference in this world. 30, 60, 100, someone who's abiding with Jesus, there's gonna be much fruit. Many lives are gonna be changed. God's gonna do a great work in you and through you. This parable speaks to the kingdom impact. Some of you would like to change the numbers and say, well, it's two, four, and six. No, Jesus didn't say two, four, and six. He said 30, 60, 100. Some of us have just gotten comfortable in our little bubble and just thought, well, like, well, I'm at a certain age, or I don't have many gifts, or I have a past, or I've, God's not gonna do much. No, Jesus says 30, 60, 100. He says it's time with a good heart to wake up, see the harvest, and trust him to make an impact in this world. The one who's truly listening to the word of God is multiplying. So well, how, how do you know if someone's really hearing this word? Because their life is multiplying and there's transformed lives all around them for the kingdom of God. And it looks in so many different ways. You say, well, can we just do this in our own strength? It's not human. Can we just force it? No, you can't. Is it a certain formula today? No, it's no formula. You know, today is Pentecost Sunday and it's a reminder of what God has done as he birthed the church that you had a bunch of people who were kind of discouraged, kind of fearful, had a lot of unknown, prone to worry, a little bit inward and selfish at that point, fearful. And you know what God did? He sent the Holy Spirit through Pentecost because all of us still need the Holy Spirit just as much today as they needed then. And God sends the Holy Spirit with a fresh wind and a fresh fire. And there's an anointing on your life when you say, God, Luke eleven thirteen. how much more will he give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? God, fill me with your presence today. God, I wanna be faithful as your witness locally and globally. God, fill me, empower me, lead me today. Speak through me the gifts you've given me. God, I want to live an intentional kingdom life and the Holy Spirit will work through you. The anointing, sometimes we talk about the anointing like it's a feeling. Oh, I just feel the anointing. I feel it. I'm feeling a little happier. Yes, there's joy with God's spirit. I won't deny that. But the anointing is for multiplying. It's for more changed lives. It's the power of God working through you. So you're built up and then more people see the kingdom and see the king of kings for who he really is. God anoints you with a purpose. God anoints you with power from on high and it's through the Holy Spirit. You know, when you read this parable, you might think, wow, uh, there's less good soils listed here than maybe I thought. (laughs) I mean, doing the math, there's three I kind of want to step out of, and there's one I want to walk into. And this parable, see, some people take the parables to some extreme applications and super specific. This parable does not mean that 75% of the people in this room are off base with their heart. There's always 25%. It's not strict mathematical, always 25% type thing. But it does tell us that wide and broad is the road to destruction and narrow is the way. 
and that there is a remnant and not everyone's gonna say, great God, you're speaking to me. I wanna offer myself to you. I'm yours, Lord, because you died for me. And now let's go build up the kingdom. Not everyone's gonna respond that way. But it also says for the ones who abide with Jesus, they will probably do much more for the kingdom than they ever expect or realize. When you pour into your child and then through their life and then who they're touching and reaching and the impact that they have, when you disciple someone, when you lead a Bible study and then they go out, when you share your faith and someone comes to the Lord, when you encourage someone to get baptized, like there's always this multiplication in the kingdom where it's like one life to another life to another life to another life and you start so many things going with your words and your actions and your care and sharing God's word with other people that there's a 36 hundredfold that you won't even see this side of heaven but trust God and how he's going to work it out and be faithful to God he has the results well two applications for today who wants to think about the first one and reflect on this parable the devil the world the false teachers and your ungodly desires will try to reject God's word God's word is eternal but there is a battle that rages against the word of God. The devil from the start wanted to reject God and his word, and he continues to try to snatch and blind people from the word of God. And then we also have the world with all its temptations and cares and worries and chasing after the wrong thing. You're in a world that's loaded with temptation. There's also false teachers and false messages. It feels like they're more common than ever before. And then we also have our own ungodly desires. Internally, we know what's right, but then why do we do what's wrong? And all of these things are going against trying to reject God's word. That's why it's important to hear this parable and have a readiness, an eagerness to receive God's presence, to make room for God and also make room for his word. I encourage you with some of these habits to listen to God's word, to read God's word, to study God's word, to memorize God's word, to meditate on God's word. When Jesus was tempted, he had memorized scripture and he quoted scripture, that sword of the spirit. Uh, It's easy to just be slack In a country like America, because we got online resources everywhere, we got sermons everywhere, we got Bibles everywhere, and it's easy to just kind of coast, thinking, well, Bible's all around us. Even I go to the hotel, the Bible's there. And and then I'm not really in the Word. Colossians 3.16 says, not only spend time in the Word, but let the Word of God dwell in you richly. Let the Word of God dwell in you. You spend time in the Word, And then the word is gonna get in you and do all kinds of great things. Be very intentional. You say, well, what will happen if we ignore the word? What will happen if we ignore the word? There will be a hardening of our hearts when we ignore the word. There will be the birds, the demonic, that try to snatch away whatever we're learning and hearing. There will be the thorns of this world that'll choke There will be desires from within and blind spots that we have and rationalizations and excuses and we will shrink back from the kingdom work that God has called us to do. Jensen Franklin said recently, as the pulpits in America go, so goes the nation. As the pulpits go, so goes the nation. We need and pray for pastors across America Because it's not as popular to preach the word now as it was 10 years ago. 
There's more people getting upset and hearing what you're saying. We need courageous, faithful pastors who preach the word of God week in and week out, not for an audience, not to be liked, but to be faithful to God, that God's word would go out through the nation. It's not just pastors. We need God's people to stand up with conviction and with backbone, not blown and tossed about every wind and wave of cunning and false teaching, but with conviction and backbone. If you're not in the word, you won't recognize the lies and the deception. You won't recognize the counterfeit if you don't know the real. The longer you see lies and hear lies, the more lies start to sound like truth. And pretty soon you've just accepted lies instead of standing in truth. Stand in truth, stand in love. Love people. If we don't spend time in the word and God's word is not in us, we will be drunk on ourselves. We will be drunk on ourselves. We'll be drunk on our comforts. We'll be drunk on our pleasures. We'll be drunk on being accepted and approved and like. We will be drunk and addicted to that stuff. Self-consumed lifestyle is a path to die. It's a path of destruction. You come alive when you love God and you give him freedom and you love people. That's when you come alive. That's who God's made you to be. I could list 20 topics now. I could talk about the view of the Holy Spirit, the view of the Jesus, the view of God the Father, the view of the Trinity, the view of God's word, the view of God's promises, the view of God's power. I could talk about morality. I could talk about attitudes. I could talk about re- revenge and resentment. I can talk about disunity. I can talk about sexuality. I can talk about sleeping together before marriage. I can talk about gender. I can t- there are 20 plus topics right now in our culture. People are raging against the word of God. 20 plus easy. You know, 10 years ago, I might be able to say, oh, here's one we're seeing surface. You don't have to say, oh, I think I just saw one surface. Like it has never been more obvious than it is today that there is a raging fierce battle against God's word. I hope you're spiritually tuned in enough to know and see that. Rather than talk about one topic after another today, because you know we don't have time for that. Uh, This is what's underneath it all. This is what's underneath it all. And you could say God's word versus the world. Let me me describe it a different way. It's we want to do whatever we want to do. Or we want to honor Jesus. At the crux of it, you've got a culture right now that's saying we want to do whatever we want to do. Forget about the whole clay and the potter thing. Forget about the maker. Forget about accountability. Forget about all that. We want to do whatever we want to do versus we want to honor and trust Jesus. And that's the condition of the heart in the different soils. That's the condition of the heart in America. Read through the book of Judges. How does that play out when people just do whatever they think is right in their own eyes? Read through Nation of Israel in the Bible. Read through American history. Read through the difference between we're just gonna do whatever we wanna do versus we're gonna honor Jesus and do it with compassion and courage because we trust Jesus. 
His word will never change. Morality will never change. This theology will never change. You will either align with heaven or you will fight against heaven. I don't want to fight against heaven. I don't want to walk in pride. I know together we just want to honor and trust Jesus and we're not giving in to the cultural lies. We're designed to receive and share God's word. And then the last application, live with conviction. Hmm. Could you do that? Could you live with conviction in love and never stop planting the seeds of God's kingdom? You are a spiritual farmer. God has given you so many seeds. There is no shortage of seeds. You are a spiritual farmer. Ecclesiastes chapter 11 says it this way. Whoever watches the wind will not plant. Whoever looks at the clouds will not reap. The picture is almost comical. This farmer's like, um, I don't know. Like we usually plant seeds, but like what's the weather doing today? Is the sun out today? Is it, you know, just like nervous? Well, where's it gonna go? Well, then what's gonna happen? And I, I don't know, maybe I shouldn't plant. I mean, we've got more uncertainty than ever before. We got more things unknown. I don't know, how big's the recession gonna be? What's the stock market? Like maybe I won't plant seeds. Like are things gonna get back to normal a little more like they were five years ago? I don't know. Should I just, should I just pause and be cautious? And then Ecclesiastes eleven six. Sow your seed in the morning, and at the evening, let your hands not be idle, for you do not know which will succeed, whether this or that, or whether both will do equally well. When I share God's word, I have no idea what's happening over here, over here, over here, over here, and over here. I don't know how God's gonna play it out and what the Holy Spirit's gonna do, but I just know if I just keep bringing seed, not my own opinions and thoughts, but if I just keep bringing the word of God and seed, God is gonna take it because his word doesn't come back to him void. In your life, you don't know when you post something on social media, when you share with your whole family, you don't know which one's gonna come and know Jesus and which one's gonna think about it later. You don't control the results. You can't change other people, but you sow your seed. You sow your seed. You kids, you're raising kids, you sow that seed. You sow that seed. Grandkids, you sow that seed. You sow that seed. You sow that seed in love and you pray and you sow that seed and you love and you pray and you listen and you sow that seed and you trust God with the results. If it goes well and there's a big harvest, don't fall into the trap of pride. Don't do that. If there's not, if the harvest is smaller, Don't stop sowing the seed. God is still faithful. Don't let the results be like this emotional roller coaster for you. Uh, Pastors, it's just easy to fall into that. Be diligent, be faithful. The book of Proverbs talks about harvesting. Proverbs chapter 10, verse five. He who gathers crops in summer is a prudent son. He who sleeps during harvest is a disgraceful son. What's our response to the harvest? Proverbs 20, verse four. Sluggards do not plow in season. So at harvest time, they look, but they find nothing because they haven't planted any seeds. There's no harvest. It's simple. Law of the harvest. And in 21, Proverbs 21, verse five, the plans of the diligent lead to profit as surely as haste leads to poverty. Every time you serve someone, every time you share your story, every time you text someone a Bible verse, invite someone into your life group, bring someone with you to church, Take them out for lunch afterwards. Every time you give someone a Bible, have a conversation about God where you're sharing the light and the love of the Lord. Every time you live out God's word, you're a doer of God's word. Every time you make the sacrifices to serve your friends and family and even strangers, every time you go the extra mile, every single time 
it matters, it counts, it's significant. You're sowing more seed. As we uh, conclude this series on the kingdom, in Ephesians chapter four, it talks about in God's kingdom, he raises up apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers. And rather than getting into the specifics of those offices, I want you to think about just in your own voice and in your own role, uh, apostles, what is God calling you to do that's new, that's timely, that he's birthing now, that maybe wasn't a few years ago, but for such a time as this, and you're breaking through new ground for the Lord. A prophet, what is God calling you to proclaim and speak humbly, courageous truth? We need prophets to rise up in a wayward nation, a prophetic voice. Evangelists, how do we together bring the gospel to every man, woman, and child in Auburn? What does that look like? Shepherds, how do you comfort? How do you care for people? How do you help develop them spiritually? How do you guide them and protect them? Shepherds are not wimpy. And then teachers, how do you bring insight? How do you pass along what you've learned? How do you explain? What does this look like in your life? See, we need the fullness of the body. We need the full body of Christ. We need all of God's people. This is 1 Corinthians 12. We can't be walking around with like, you know, a third of a body. Like we need the fullness of the body and the voice and the calling and the gifts for the fullness of the kingdom. Fullness is a picture. The fullness of God's word, the fullness of God's presence, the fullness of the body, the fullness of God's glory. That's what we're all about. And it's a kingdom culture. I just say this, walk with faith, walk with confidence in God, walk trusting God's word. The kingdom is eternal. This kingdom culture is focused on Jesus. It's humble, it's honest, it's personal. We participate, it's active. We're on mission. There's changed lives. We're giving, we're generous, we're good listeners. It's significant what's happening. It's glorious and there's stories of changed lives. The kingdom of God, that's where our heart is. Seek first his kingdom. Seek first Jesus the King of Kings, and this indestructible kingdom. What a gift from the Lord. If you're here today and uh, you're ready to follow Jesus for the first time, we celebrate that with you. It's grace, an undeserved gift. If you're ready to put your trust in Jesus and walk with him, you're gonna be in God's family forever. You're gonna have peace with God forever. You're gonna have eternal life with God. You make that decision today. If you're here